Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, and I am fired up for two different reasons. First of all, today marks the day when we kick off our NFL coverage. But more importantly, today marks the introduction, the formal in- introduction of the newest member of the DFS Coach Talk team, and that is none other than Shane Caldwell. Shane, welcome to the team. How are we feeling today? I'm feeling great. Yeah, I'm, I'm fired up for, uh, you know, it's April, but we're we're going, we're ready to crunch, get into the NFL season already. Never too early to start. We're taking this opportunity with no sports to get better and always improve. And I'm excited to be on the team and really dive in deep with the NFL stuff and uh, and just help people with a lot of good information and a lot of good insight. So that's so I'm right. Super excited. Uh, this is like Christmas in April. Today yeah. To start talking about the NFL uh, we, we've just finished up the draft. We're starting to envision the possibility of maybe, just maybe, we get this season started on time. You know, yeah. even if there's a four to six week delay, uh, I mean, odds are looking pretty strong that we're going to get a traditional full NFL season. Um, and then to have you have you come aboard here, we're all just so excited. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, today is our first official NFL podcast here on. DFS Coach Talk, and we are just going to crush it this fall. Uh, Shane is an expert on FanDuel, and I really focus my play on DraftKings. So we're going to bring you the one-two punch. And today marks the first day of 33 consecutive days of podcasting on the NFL. Shane and I are going to do a general uh, NFL DFS strategy show today. And then starting tomorrow, we're going to start breaking each NFL team down one podcast at a time. And if you've been following DFS Coach Talk in recent weeks, we've been doing a lot of shows where we break down two teams per day, whether that's the NBA or the uh, MLB. But we just decided that we wanted to really break down each NFL team one show at a time and try to incorporate some of the news we got from the NFL draft and give everybody a real in-depth preview of each team as we head towards the fall season. Yeah, and I think in NFL, it's really important to do that because there's a ton of turnover in the NFL. You look at all the new coaching changes, new schemes, new coordinators. You got all the rookie class and you have free agents, a lot of free agents, a lot of teams changed. So, you know, defenses you used to attack, you might not be able to attack them the same way. Offenses that were not as good last year, they might be great for fantasy this year. So, Really, by breaking that down and seeing how the rookies and free agents and the schemes, when we're going to be able to dive into all those things to help try to project what we're looking at for this year. Because we can look at last year's statistics, that'll help. But the NFL is definitely a year-to-year league, and things change. So we're always looking for that edge, and we're going to we're going to dive in deep to find that edge and learn more about these teams. Yeah, no doubt. And for those who haven't looked at the schedule recently or have kind of forgotten. Do you know that the Super Bowl is currently scheduled to be played in Tampa on February 7th, 2021? So, Shane, I've got a two-part question for you here to check to to start off our general overview of the NFL season. So, first of all, is the Super Bowl going to be played on February 7th, 2021 in Tampa? And will the Tampa Bay Buccaneers be in that game? I think it's going to be hard to uh, get the get – the, Super Bowl played that at the early February. I think if they have to push things back because we're already they're already missing some of those spring uh, training sessions. They're going to have to push back probably training camp 
probably OTAs. Um, with pushing that back, you've got to be going back, you know, three or four weeks at least, uh, I'm thinking. Uh, so they're throwing out a lot of different ideas. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't imagine it's going to be the same day. And uh, with the Buccaneers, a lot of this is, you know, I'm looking at how are they going to be able to to train and build this chemistry with a new team. Tom Brady was with New England for so long, had such great chemistry with Belichick and guys like Julian Edelman. Uh, I know he's got his guy Gronk, but it's not going to be the same system. It's not the same offensive line, not the same system. Tom Brady's not getting any younger. I know he's the GOAT, but I'm a little skeptical. (laughs) Is he going to be able to throw those deep balls like Jameis Winston did? You can say what you want about Jameis Winston last year in that Tampa Bay offense, but he still threw for over 5,000 yards. So you could say, yeah, he he choked a lot. And so the question is, are they going to run the ball more, be a little bit more of the, uh, you know, game control, a uh, little bit slower pace? Tom Brady's not really an elite deep, deep thrower, deep ball mm-hmm. thrower. So, and how many, how much time are they going to have to train to get, mm-hmm. to get ready? Uh, we'll, we'll see. So depending on how things shake out in training camp, I, it's something that me and many people will be watching closely to see what's going to happen there. But I'm not as high on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers right now. That news could change, but I'm I'm still a little bit skeptical. I think they'll be a good team, but I don't know that they're going to be a great fantasy team, even though they do have elite weapons all, all around Tom Brady. Um, so Yeah, you, you make some you make some good points there. And the bottom line is it is absolutely going to be fascinating to watch it play out. And I agree, it's a little difficult to make exact predictions at this point because we do need to see how it plays out in terms of how much time do these guys get together because you're right. Um, so much of Tom Brady's past success is built on having that close relationship with his wide receivers, putting in all those reps. I mean, we, we've heard in years past about you know he and Edelman training in different areas around the country Uh and that's going to be the the big hurdle for Tom is to to try to develop that chemistry with these new receivers. You mentioned it. They've got a ton of great weapons, but he has struggled with the deep ball recently. Um, but he's got Gronk coming to town, so that's nice. You know, he's got to be thrilled yeah. to have that. There's one guy who not only is going to help their rushing attack with his great blocking, but to have a guy who already has all that chemistry with Tom Brady. It's certainly going to make it a lot easier. And I do think, you know, we may see more success with Godwin, um, some of those shorter routes than Evans with the deep ball. You know, I don't think we're going to have Evans like Randy Moss back in the day, catching all those bombs from Brady. Yeah. But I think I'm probably a little bit more optimistic than you on the Bucks. but it's really going to be fun to see how it plays out. Yeah, I'll be watching in training camp to see how their offensive line is shaking out. Um, you know, they drafted a running back, I think it's Vaughn in the draft, see how their running backs look in to see, you know, cause that's going to be, how, how can they move the chains and, you know, score a lot of touchdowns. But, uh, it's, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about their offensive line. I got to see how that shakes out. They give up a lot of sacks and Tom Brady is not a mobile quarterback. He, he is a, a, a pure pocket passer. He's really good at manipulating the pocket and moving around the pocket to create space. But I don't know that he's going to have that much protection. Um, and yeah, you, I think teams can stop that short passing game. I mean, Godwin is elite in that short passing game and they have good tight ends, but I'm still a little bit skeptical being that he hasn't had enough time uh, in this system and with these players. 
Um, yeah. We'll see how it goes, how much training camp they actually get, how much training off-season uh, training they get. Yeah, and it was also nice to see them draft Werfs with that 13th pick in the first round to address that offensive line. And if they can shore that up, that's going to be a huge factor for them. But uh, yeah. we'll get we'll get more into the Tampa uh, the Tampa squad once we start breaking each town ta- each team down one at a time. Yeah. Um, so that that'll be fun. Uh, and of course today we've got this general strategy show. But before we dive into uh, bankroll management and contest selection uh, and and building a building a GPP lineup, building a cash lineup. Uh, I do want to take a moment and just allow you to introduce yourself a little bit, Shane, and tell folks a little bit about your DFS background. Yeah, so I've been playing uh, DFS for, for over 10 years now. I was on pretty, pretty early in the game there, and I just love analyzing statistics and watching the games, getting, real, you know, real life watching film and analyzing players and i just love the how competitive it is in finding players that no one else is thinking of that are going to be low ownership guys that are going to have huge upside games um so i just love the game within the game building lineups doing the research you know in depth throughout the week like i said watching a lot of the games learning a lot of a lot about the schemes and the strategies and those type of things so uh, yeah, so I, I just really love it, uh, especially NFL. I mean, it's, you know, when it comes to fall time, that's that's all I'm doing is, uh, you know, NFL, you know, building lineups, and doing research throughout the week. So so it's great to be able to uh, to share it with everyone and uh, give everyone more insight. And, uh, definitely, I like to play uh, GPPs, but sometimes I'll, I'll play cash and mix it up as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but, yeah, I definitely uh, love GPPs, uh, not necessarily a multi mass entry guy uh like to build you know smaller model lineups sometimes i'll narrow it down just one lineup that in uh but yeah i've had a, a good amount of success there and i'm going to continue to success. yeah and i've got to say we are psyched to have you here on dfs coach talk as the newest addition to the team and really the way i envision it is uh come fall the success we're going to have together uh, along with the rest of the crew here, breaking down the NFL is sort of like you, we mentioned Gronk earlier. It's sort of like when Gronk spikes the ball after a touchdown. I mean, that yeah. that's what I'm picturing. That's that's the kind of success we're gonna have. We're gonna oh, have yeah. those monstrous spikes from Gronk, um, yeah. just like just like Tom Brady's hoping for. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, with the knowledge we have, I think in combining it and everyone having a growth mindset here being able to learn from each other and uh, constantly looking for an edge and looking, looking, looking for that, uh, you know, stuff that other people aren't, aren't, aren't even thinking of, uh, you know, I think we're very creative and uh, very strategic in that way, you know. Yeah. And that's certainly why we brought you on. You, you share that mentality. And just to give folks a little bit more of a, uh, of a window into how we approach things at DFS Coach Talk, we don't use optimizers. We, we hand build our lineups. We put a lot of our focus on the eye test actually watching the games and football is a little bit different with analytics in terms of some stats that are important and unique and can give you an edge. So Shane and I certainly um, appreciate analytics and use stats and analytics, but we also uh, rely heavily on the, uh, on the eye test uh, to build our lineup. So um, in terms of, of then actually uh, providing value to our members, we're going to continue to do these, free podcasts uh, throughout the spring to get ready for the NFL season. 
when we do podcasts in the fall, those will be continue to be free. But we do also invite our listeners to come become a member at DFS Coach Talk. We have weekly, monthly, and annual memberships. And if you come and join right now, those will be frozen until we get NBA or MLB back in action. Uh, and our memberships cover all three sports. And what we're going to do in NFL is provide lineups to our members, uh, both on FanDuel and on DraftKings. Uh, so to, if you have a preference, then uh, we're there to cover you and, and support you um, on, on whichever site you want to play. So that's how we're going to approach it. And I can't wait to get started. But we do have some strategy to talk about before we get there. And, of course, we are still in April. So uh, mm-hmm. as much as it's difficult to, to curb the enthusiasm here, uh, we're going to dig into to general strategy here. And then we're going to break down all the teams so that we are ready to crush it once the uh, once the season kicks off. So today we're going to be talking about bankroll management, you know, cash versus GPP, context contest selection, you know, building successful lineups, what type of slate we, we like to play. And I like to I like to start these uh, discussions talking about bankroll management because to me you have to in general decide okay how much I am I going to invest either in this day or in this weekend or or in this week on a given sport. So Shane, um, why don't you give us some of your thoughts on bankroll management in, in general for NFL DFS? Yeah, so sometimes I like to actually play more uh, at the early weeks, like the first couple of weeks, uh, because I follow like the training camps, preseason games really closely and how teams have changed. So sometimes I, I've been able to get an edge early on. Um, so you know, I was telling you about, uh, you know, I played Lamar Jackson in week one. Uh, after, based on my research, I, I came to Jackson as a value quarterback and no one thought he was going to come up with, you know, what was it like 400 yards and five touchdowns of passing through the air. I, you know, I was hoping he would get I, I my research indicated he was an improved passer, but mm-hmm. uh, didn't expect that. So anyways, that was a huge win for me in week one. Um, but. I bring that up is because I, I, I may play more a little bit more. Um, but I think a few different ways you can approach bankroll is you can take it week by week and say, I just want to play $50 per week, you know, and see how it goes. Um, or you can take, you know, for your whole season budget, let's say is $500 and just play, you know, 15, 10 to 15% of that, uh, per week. Um, so there's a few different ways you can do that, uh, in terms of, it depends on your risk tolerance, and what you want. Um, and then from there, you just have to decide how you want to allocate your budget, what, what your goals are. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to not get too excited if you think you have a good li- lineup and use your entire bankroll in one week. Um, but there are certain weeks where you might use a little bit more. What, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, it's it is unique in that it's really the NFL is really broken down into you know, one week at a time. So much emphasis on that Sunday slate that it's different to me than NBA or MLB, which are games every day. Um, it's a it's a little bit easier to manage your bankroll when you know that you, you know, for the regular season, you have these 17 separate weeks. And, you know, the, the idea of breaking it down to maybe 15 to 20% per week, you know, I think is a fair approach. Um, and it's interesting because I actually like to dial it back a little bit in the first couple of weeks. I like to... Um, really use the first couple of weeks to get that eye test, to see everybody in their new spots, uh, to see, you know, what the chemistry is like, where there have been 
changes to the coordinators, changes to the quarterbacks, to some of the skill position players, uh, see which defenses come out and, and start hot. And, you know, you can really gain an edge, I think, after a couple weeks of seeing some of these changes. If you then make your adjustments, you know, before folks who are still stuck in last year, uh, before they make their adjustments. So um, I, I do like the idea in the NFL of varying your the percentage that you commit to your bankroll on any given week. So again, getting back to a general overview, I like to, to go a little bit less earlier in the season. And then I've had my most success in that week seven, eight, nine, ten area where you've got some data to use. You've got the eye test. You can put it all together and and really hone in with with some confidence on on your projection. So that's how I like to do it. But um, yeah, I, I agree that it's uh, it's good to be flexible in, in the NFL. Yeah, and I think I like both approaches. I like later in the season when we really have a lot of statistics and you just really dive into those matchups and you know a lot more about them, the teams at that point. But early in the year, I'm trying to project. Uh, based on my research, I'm projecting what I think the teams are going to be and trying to use that as an edge rather than looking at the last you know, few weeks before that later in the year and then using you know, actual statistics. I'm trying to actually predict those, those uh, you know, projections ahead of time uh, and to gain an edge there. So like it's, it's like if you are on a player or a team before anyone else was on it, you know, you're gaining the advantage. Uh, where then all of a sudden when people are looking at game logs from before, now everyone's on that player, everyone's on that matchup. So I'm trying to actually predict it before it happens uh, and, and gain the edge that way, which isn't easy, but I have, I have done it in certain, certain uh, situations. Does that make sense? I was having a hard time there hearing. I lost you for a second, Shane. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Yep. Okay. Sorry about that. I think we're backing up, back and rolling here. So uh, I didn't catch the end of what you were saying there, but w another topic I wanted to hit is the idea of setting a personal goal with a bankroll. Yep. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a wise approach. And I'm not going to give advice on specifically what your goal should be, but I, I do like the idea of, it, you know, you, you get your bankroll to start the NFL season, and let's say it's, you know. Five hundred dollars. Um, then set a goal so that once you get to let's say seven hundred and fifty in your bankroll, then either you decide I'm going to withdraw some of that money and take a profit, go spend it on something for fun, or at that point maybe you raise the amount you play per week and you set a new goal and you, you so maybe you invest a little bit more per week and now you set a new goal of trying to hit a thousand. Um, but whatever your bankroll is, Shane, what, what do you what do you think about the idea of setting a specific goal? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Anytime you have a goal, that's going to help discipline yourself to try to get to that goal. So you're playing, you're not playing too much. You're, you're playing the right amount and you can adjust your strategy to try to hit that goal. Um, so I think I think that's a that's a good idea. Like I said, some, so there's some weeks where I'll play more cash games because I'm trying to get I'm trying to up my bankroll to get closer to that goal. Uh, if I lost in, you know, GPPs or something like that the week before, uh, where some weeks I feel like I'm rolling, I'm going to, I'm going to do maybe play a little bit more heavy GPPs, you know? So. Excellent. Excellent. That kind of plays into, you know, plays into the bankroll. Right. 
Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about cash versus GPP. There's lots of different theories out there, lots of different approaches. Uh, we all have our own preferences. Uh, but, you know, especially for some folks who maybe haven't played a ton of NFL DFS and they're going to get into it this season. Shane, what are a couple different approaches that uh, you, you think are most common and, and most successful? Yeah. So depending on your goals and your risk risk tolerance, um, I like, you know, uh, probably three different main approaches that I'll, that I'll take uh, is the 80-20 rule is, you know, 80 percent cash games. 20% GPPs. Now with this, it's it's a little bit safer. You can do some head-to-heads. You can do some 50-50s, uh, some double-up multipliers, that type of thing. And it's pretty safe. If you have a solid lineup, you know, you're going to pretty close to double your money. Um, then you still get a little bit of upside. You can put in some single entries. If you want to throw a couple in the big tournaments, you still be able to get an upside. So if your lineup goes off, um, you're going to be able to still, uh, you know, benefit from that, uh, you know, big pay, big payday there. Um, so I like that approach for the most part. Um, then the other approach, if you want to go a little more GPP heavy, um, but reduce the risk a little bit, is you can go 50-50 and do about half your bankroll in GPPs and half in the cash games, 50-50s. And then the cash games, if the cash game hits, it's going to pretty much pay for the GPPs because if you if your team didn't go off because you need a really, really good lineup to hit in the GPP, then at least the cash games paid for that and you're still breaking even. Um, so you're you're just, you know, reducing your risk there a little bit. Um, and then you have kind of your multi entry uh, where you want to put in, you know, 10 to 20 lineups. Let's say um, let's say you don't have a bankroll to do the 150 max, but you could pretty much put in 10 to 20 lineups in some of these bigger tournaments uh, or you can you can put in uh, lineup in several single entry uh, and just do a few lineups uh, and you're going to have more upside there and more, you know, more irons in the pot, that type of thing. So that that's another way you can do it is all GPP. If you're feeling really good about some high upside plays that are going to be lower ownership that week, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do like those different approaches and it is a good feeling when, you if you're in that 50 50 range if you at least win the cash games the if the tournaments don't work out that week basically it's a wash uh so i i do i do uh support that approach i personally usually tend to be a little bit heavier in gpp um and i have i guess you know that higher risk tolerance where i know that you know if for some reason one week it doesn't work out uh it's going to be a loss that week but, you know, I'm counting on a big week the next couple weeks, uh, and and there you go. So um, let's talk a little bit about the general strategy that you like to use for a GPP lineup. Yeah, so, I mean, GPPs, I mean, you're typically looking for – you're trying to look for those hidden gems, uh, whether it's, you know, low ownership guys that no one's on, people kind of forgot about, that you think are going to be in a really good game script – uh, and have a really good matchup and could just have a huge ceiling game. Um, so I remember a week last last week, a uh, perfect example of that was like Will Fuller. Uh, I can't remember if it was week four or five when he had like 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like I was on him that week because it was just he was the perfect, you know, scenario of the matchup, the, the over under for the game, the implied totals. 
and he was actually healthy, which is rare for that player, right? So he ended up having this monster game, and that's a perfect example of, and he wasn't that high ownership, even though some people were talking about him throughout the week. Um, so, yeah, in general, you're looking for correlation. You're looking for stacking your quarterback. Um, if you can find a quarterback that's low-owned, that's value-priced, and then uh, load up on you know high-end wide receivers and load up on stacking his wide receivers and tight ends for that team, that's good correlation there. Um, you could stack the defense. If you think a defense is going to dominate, score some touchdowns, shut a team out, and then the running back is like, you know, going to get a ton of carries in the second half because of that. You can correlate those, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of different things you can do. You can do a game stack if you feel like it's going to be one of those, you know, 44 to 35 games, like a shootout type game. We've seen those. You can stack that and they're just going back and forth, you know, and they're just doing a ton of passing and, you know, those type of things. So, the, uh, so yeah, you have to really look for high upside. You're going to have to take a little bit more risk probably. And you really have to factor in the ownership. You've got to try to find lower ownership guys. And that's where that extra research does, does that because you want to try to pivot off the chalk when you can, um, because the, the, in NFL with the injuries and everything, you get some really chalky plays. And if you hit on one of those, you know, big uh, plays that's low ownership when everyone else was on the chalk and the chalk ends up being bad chalk, then that's when you gain that advantage. Um, and that's the risk you got to take sometimes. So. Yeah, I like I like a lot of those features to the the approach you take to GPPs. I do the same thing. I certainly like targeting targeting those uh, high scoring games. You know, anything with that a to- over under over 50, and if you get a close line of maybe three or four points for the point spread, then those are the games we just absolutely load up and target and hope for that you know 38 35 shootout with uh, tons of passing on both sides. Yeah. Um, and so, so for for GPPs, I absolutely like uh, pairing QBs with one or two pass catchers. And I also like your approach of of pairing a defense with a running back. And you can't do that all the time. I mean, take New England for example, a team that was just dominant on defense last year when they started out eight and zero, scoring yeah. touchdowns left and right. Uh, so I was playing them a lot, but you can't necessarily pair the New England defense with the New England running back because Bo- yeah. Coach Belichick likes to shift around the usage uh, and the carries uh, with with his running backs. Obviously, you had Tom Brady with all those sneaks for uh, for touchdowns, um, and you know he's notorious for coming up with a different game plan each week, where maybe it's James White getting getting featured. Um, but that's one of the things we're, we're going to do for our members is, you know, make sure that we're breaking down each potential play. Uh, defense is a big factor in DFS. A lot of people don't like the fact that it's involved, but it is. And so we're going to try and maximize that for, for you. And uh, you mentioned ownership. That's certainly a huge factor in terms of game theory and, you know, which of that heavy chalk come midseason are we going to play? When are we going to avoid the chalk? Uh, so, so Shane and I will certainly be on top of that. Um, in terms of a cash lineup, uh, I want to talk about a couple different strategies. Um, it's it's not what I it, like. Like I said, I don't my my majority of play is in the GPP. So I take a little bit of a different approach to the cash game because it is so much more competitive than it was in years past. Uh, a lot of people really depend on their cash lineups in NFL 
uh, for success. Uh, and I certainly support that approach. Um, but I have found, you know, especially mid to late season when the amount of players dips a little bit and, you know, people invest more in their weekly budget for cash and things get really chalky, then it's difficult because you really have to commit to either eating that chalk and going with the herd uh, and trying to eke out a victory. Or if you make a couple different pivots to more of a tournament play, a GPP type player in your cash lineup, that's the approach I like to take because if you get, you know, in general, say two players that are more lower owned, you know, less of a guarantee, but got, if they've, they've got you that upside, if they hit, then you're just you've differentiated yourself from the other players in that cash tournament so much that I, I really like it. It feels like it's a slam dunk uh, when if you if you make those couple of pivots in your cash lineup that you are going to cash. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, in NFL, there's so much good information out there that even these cash game players, the, the pay lines are higher and higher. It's more and more competitive. It's more chalky. It's kind of the group thing groupthink idea. So you're trying to get away from that groupthink if you can and find an edge of players that are still safe enough uh, to play in cash, but they have upside and no one's thinking about them, whether that's because they had a couple bad games before that for whatever reason, or people are just so on, on these other chalk plays or certain they're targeting certain games, but they're not thinking of other players and other games. So yeah, you, you, you almost have to take a little bit of a GPP strategy in cash games sometimes uh, to, to gain an edge there. Otherwise it's very difficult uh, to, to find to find the edge when you, when everyone is, you know, you're playing people that are 30, 40% ownership, you know, and then it's just like just one, one player makes the difference there. And that's where you got to find, you got to find those guys. So, um, and if those chalk players, like I said, if they don't do well, then you're going to be able to gain an edge there as well. So. Yeah. A couple of the points I want to make on the cash lineup, um, sort of dovetailing off the points you made about the GPP approach in terms of stacking. Yeah. I, I, I generally shy away from stacking the quarterback with multiple receivers in a cash lineup. I like to spread out the risk a little bit. I, I save those big game stacks for the GPPs in, in yeah. a cash lineup. I like to spread out the risk a little bit and try to cherry pick players, you know, from here or there in, in good matchups. Certainly I like to get exposure to the high scoring games the projected high scoring games. But in terms of a quarterback with multiple pass catchers, I don't do that quite as much in cash games, but, but in terms of combining a defense with a running back that I will continue to do in cash games. I think it's very successful. If you, if you focus in on teams that, uh, you know, rely heavily on that, that bell cow back uh, to get those carries in the second half and pair them up with your defense. Who's, you know, uh, got a weak opponent and likely to keep you or, you know, has a decent chance of keeping you in that seven to 10 points allowed area, maybe get a couple of turnovers, you know, certainly like to stack guys against James Winston, um, James Winston, you, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the mistakes he made last year, Yeah. Pile, pile up the big yardage, but, and he had the 30 touchdowns, but he also had the 30 interceptions. So, yeah. you know, targeting those uh, turnover prone quarterbacks, um, so, so I do like to keep the defense and, and a running back together in the cash lineup. What do you think about those approaches? 
Yeah, that's that's great. I, I like it in terms of having like a one-off. I'll take a quarterback who I think might have, be a value price, but I think has like rushing upside. Like a perfect example would be like Josh Allen last year. Like he really wasn't, he didn't have that many good receivers. So he wasn't really passing a lot, but the guy would like, you know, rush for a ton of touchdowns. And sometimes he would rush for 80 yards, get a touchdown and then still throw like one bomb, one touchdown. You know, that was enough to hit value for him because he was usually pretty cheap and really not that low, you know, pretty low ownership because, you know, he plays for Buffalo. They're not exactly like a dynamic right. offense, but right. the dude just had a knack for, he was like the red zone running back, you know? Um, everyone knew Lamar Jackson had value there, but Lamar Jackson was like, you know, $3,000 more expensive than Josh Allen. Right. So if you want to load up, I want to play Michael Thomas and my wide receiver, you know, I'm going to throw Josh Allen in there, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the way I, that's the way I, I approached it. A lot of times I'm looking for, you know, guys that are still really good value. Um, but you know, didn't necessarily have to correlate them, especially if they don't have that good of wide receivers like Buffalo last year, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And they've certainly addressed that area. But, um, yeah. you know, w- one uh, one step in the process is, you know, figuring out throughout the week which of those value players we're targeting and, and who we think has a strong matchup. But then the next step in the decision making process and the strategy is, is of course, picking which site you're going to play. And there are some significant differences between DraftKings and FanDuel. I know you prefer uh, to play on FanDuel. So, Share some of the differences that are important to you in terms of the scoring and the approach that you take with FanDuel. Yeah, so with FanDuel, you don't get any bonuses for a 300-yard passing bonus like you do in uh, DraftKings or, you know, 100-yard bonus there. So that means you could take a running back that you might think is just only going to get like 60 yards and maybe he's like a a short yardage red zone, you know, goal line type running back and you think that he – he has, he's going to get two touchdowns, you know? Uh, so that's, so that's kind of what you're looking for there. Um, you're only getting half, a uh, half point PPR points per reception with FanDuel. So you're not necessarily going to target those guys that, uh, you know, that are kind of technicians that, get, you know, run a lot of short slant routes and get a lot of like passes, but they don't really get touchdowns that much. You're looking for more guys that get targets in the red zone. What's the red zone, red zone target share? Maybe they're big play upside guys. They're speed guys that just will catch like a 70-yard touchdown, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, and you're looking at running backs that probably are more first and second down running backs. They're not necessarily pass receiving running backs um, because you're looking for guys that have good volume, that are going to get a lot of rushing uh, volume, and also are going to get the red zone uh, carries as well. Um, because, you, yeah, you need more touchdown upside, uh, really, to, to win there, um, and, and obviously yardage. But uh, we're, you know, you, the DraftKings will be a little different with the full PPR there. So, um, so that's really the main differences. The defenses are pretty much the same. Um, I think when you're looking at FanDuel – versus DraftKings, you can you can look at the player salaries and try to identify. Um, I might look at DraftKings and just divide out the player salary by the total uh, salary, which, you know, is 50K on uh, DraftKings. And then I'll do the same thing for FanDuel, 60K salary, and see, is that guy on FanDuel a really good value based on DraftKings pricing? Is he underpriced? So you're looking for people that are underpriced. Um, and that fit that criteria that I was talking about, um, not always PPR guys, you know, and, and FanDuel. Um, so some players can meet both those criteria, but it's pretty rare, you know. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it's overlooked. So I, I do want our listeners to keep that in mind and make sure they do it as we get going with uh, NFL DFS later this year is calculating what percentage of the salary cap does that player cost on a given site. And you got to take into account the scoring differences. You can't just look at a player's price tag on one side or the other and, and make that decision. And you, you can't just blindly play a player on both sites on a given week just because you think he's a strong matchup. I mean, there may be a, a major difference in price value. And, of course, you may find uh, unexpected values from other, other players on the slate on a given site where you say, you know, McCaffrey – uh, I, I love him on DraftKings because he's he's PPR. Uh, you know, maybe he has a, a slightly lower price tag on FanDuel, but you find some other guys that are much cheaper who you think are very likely to score touchdowns. So, you know, there's a lot to to, uh, to take into account other than just the, the price tag. But um, as we sort of mentioned earlier, I do prefer DraftKings in general. I really love the PPR scoring. I, I love targeting players who... You know, you can find guys that are more in that 4K range who you're expecting to have a, a, a significant number of catches and, and get that value in PPR. Uh, so, so that's how I like to break it down in general. But I know you've got some players in mind as specific examples on either site that, that you like to target. So let's let's use those uh, to try to put this into context. Yeah, so you kind of got to look at the roles of team of players on each team and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are, and that'll help you determine that. So let me give you a couple examples. So I can take two running backs from the same team. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns, and you got Kareem Hunt. If you look at if you look at his role, he's he's obviously he's got elite you know quickness and speed. He's got really good hands. He's really more of a pass receiving. In that offense, he's more of a pass-receiving running back, but he's got touchdown upside as well, which is good. So he might be more of a DraftKings guy, and typically his price isn't as high because he's not getting as much volume. So he might be a good play where you get him at 5K on DraftKings. That allows you to load up on other positions, and he has one of those games where he ends up getting six or seven catches and a touchdown, you know, and that's going to be enough for a guy that, 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 that. And then on the same team, a guy that I probably target on FanDuel is Nick Chubb. Because Nick Chubb is kind of a high volume, you know, bigger back. He can hit the home run for touchdowns. He's the red zone guy. He's probably going to get a lot of uh, goal line carries and he's going to get really high volume. Um, and so that's an example of like a FanDuel guy. Other guys you can think of uh, FanDuel mm-hmm. would be like Mark Ingram. You know, he's not really going to catch a lot of passes. Uh, but you know, they're in the red zone all the time. So he's, he's getting a lot of uh, touchdowns, not necessarily a lot of yards. Um, and then if you go back to DraftKings, think about guys like Austin Eckler, you know, uh, Austin Eckler early in the year was pretty cheap and it took people a little while to realize how good of a receiver he was and how dynamic he was. And he was winning people a lot of money because of all his just pass catching role uh, and that he had there. Uh, which is really good. And then if you think about receivers on DraftKings, you think about guys like Keenan Allen, Julian Edelman. I call them those technician guys. They have 12, 13, they don't really score a lot of touchdowns, but they're really good at those slant routes, those quick routes, and they just rack up the points, you know, and they can still typically get to 100 points. And then I'll think, I'll give you an example, like FanDuel, a guy I was playing last year at the end of the year, is a good fan to play was Devonte Parker from uh, the Miami Dolphins. Like people are like, you know, 
this guy was a disappointment earlier in his career, but all of a sudden he started having two touchdown games and he would only have like 60 or 70 yards and two touchdowns, like four or five receptions. Right. But that's a huge value on FanDuel because he's not as expensive, but he's touchdown. He's just getting touchdowns a lot and not even necessarily catching that many passes. A lot of long catches, long passes. This guy's had a lot of air yards. That's one of the statistics <laughs> we'll look at guys like Marquise Brown. He, when that game in week one last year, he only had four catches, but he had two touchdowns, 147 yards. Like that's a fan duel play to me because he's not projected to be a high volume guy. Um, but he's just in, you know, the a classic example would be like Deshaun Jackson, a uh, fan duel guy. You know, he's just so fast and dynamic when he's healthy. He can hit you for like the 80 yard touchdown. Like he's the guy that you can gain an edge on fan duel. Uh, so just examples like that, you got to think about when you're choosing whether. DraftKings or FanDuel and, uh, you know, trying to choose the right type of player in the right game situation as well. Yeah, a lot of great examples there. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, the classic line of two catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Ingram, a guy who's not going to catch many passes, but, you know, really involved in that rushing attack to get you the touchdowns. Uh, Devontae Parker, you mentioned he was one of those guys I just never really got around to playing on draft on DraftKings because you couldn't catch you couldn't count on those receptions. Yeah, you know, see that exactly. I was yep. all over him on FanDuel. He was winning me all kinds of money on FanDuel, and yep. before people really caught on to him, I, I happened to catch his two games where he had two touchdowns in the games. So yeah, you know, so that's could, that's a huge edge. Yeah, I didn't really get around to playing him. I was busy playing guys like Keenan Allen and Edelman. Guys, yep. I just love. You call him a technician. I mean, yep. whatever you want to call him, I I love right. those guys on DraftKings. They just rack up the catches. Um, exactly. Now, here's an example. Of course, uh, probably my favorite fantasy player. He's won me a lot of money. That does both receptions and touchdowns. Michael Thomas, right? Classic example. Not every not everyone can be a Michael Thomas, but if you can build. If you can get a player like, you know, the Kareem Hunt example, and he seems to be super cheap and he catches a ton of balls on DK, now you can afford Michael Thomas, who's going to catch 12 balls, 160 yards, and catch a few touchdowns. You know, yeah. he does it all, right? Every week. Better. Yeah, every single week. Exactly. So, or, you know, you got your Christian McCaffrey, who actually rushes for long touchdowns and, you know, and catches the ball for touchdowns too. But those guys are rare, and that's why they're very expensive. So sometimes you have to pivot off those guys. But, you know, that's that's you got to get the players that are good value in the right role and then position yourself to stack up on those guys that do everything, you know. So that's yeah. that's always a good strategy. Yeah, man, Michael Thomas was such a safe investment last year. I mean, yeah. he got so many targets. He caught everything that was anywhere yeah. close to him. Yeah, just he's just, a machine. Yeah. Uh, Talk about chemistry with your quarterback. That was that was a beautiful thing. So yeah. um, so that's great. Um, now let's get into the the picture of okay, we've decided based on whatever factors are important to you which site you're going to play on on a given week. And you might play on multiple sites, but um, let's hone in on okay, well, what slate am I going to play? You know, am I going to play just the main slate on Sunday? Am I going to play something like a Thursday through Sunday slate? Am I going to play a showdown slate with one game? How do you like to approach that, Shane? For the most part, I like to play the big Sunday, the main slate. Um, the reason why is I have a process throughout the week where I'm attacking certain statistics and looking for information throughout the week. And then the news changes later in the week. And uh, where I may make adjustments, but I, I want to be able to have the full week to prepare 
and look for players that I think are going to are going to be really good and line up, you know, build, be able to have lineup, uh, good construction of your lineup and uh, to see wait for injuries, those type of things. So, yeah, so I, I prefer the full slate with all the players and there's just a lot more players to choose from. And I feel like I can gain an edge better by that. Uh, again, getting low ownership, really high upside type players that people aren't on. Um, sometimes if I identify something earlier in the week that I think is a big edge, I will play that Thursday through Sunday slate, which is a bigger slate. It covers more games. Um, and I like to cover that. I like to play that because I'll get a few players early in the week that I'll get a really low ownership that end up going off. And then later in the week on the Sunday slate, that player becomes chalk because they found out information that I found out a few days ahead of time. Uh, so I do like to play the Thursday through Sunday slate as well. Sometimes if I, if I identify some players that no one's on early in the week, but I feel like once they do more research, they'll figure that out later in the week, uh, like a chalky player that is ends up being really good. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's my main approach. Uh, I, I think that the, the larger the, the slate, the more options you have to try to find to, to you know, try to find good players, you know. Excellent. Yeah. In the in the last year or two, I've shied away from the multi-day slates a little bit more, focused a lot in on the, the main Sunday slate. And I yep. do like the, the late swap on DraftKings. And I like the strategy throughout the day of uh, pivoting and, and strategy in terms of late injury news, you know, being able to make changes and gain an edge on folks who aren't on top of that. But the other thing I want to talk about, the other slate, is the showdown slate, because I play a lot of them. Uh, I love the showdown slate on DraftKings. It is significantly different than the single-game slates on FanDuel, and that really comes down to the rules. And so I want to touch on those a little bit. On the DraftKings showdown slate, you have six players. You've got your captain and five flex players. And the captain... He costs 1.5x salary, but he also gives you the 1.5x points. And yeah. so the the fact that you're changing the salary once you bump up to a captain, you know that really changes things compared to FanDuel with the MVP because you get 1.5x points on FanDuel for your MVP, but he doesn't cost any more. So you've got a major strategy piece there on DraftKings of you know who do you want to pay up for as your captain and, and stay within that salary cap, you know, and then the other thing is you have a bigger player pool on DraftKings. You can play a defense in a showdown slate along with the kicker. If you want on FanDuel, you can't, you can't play the defense. So um, I know that you don't, you don't seem to spend as much of your focus on the showdown slates as I do. Are those rules differences uh, part of the reason why? Yeah, I think sometimes on FanDuel, you know, you got to go into that contest knowing that you might have a even if you hit on the on the best lineup, like the perfect lineup, you might be tying with like 100 people, you know. So yeah. so it, it, you got to go with the right expectations when you're playing those showdown slates, you know. There's just uh, you know, you just there's a ton of variance. It's it's kind of crazy slate and you're going to get just a lot, you know, super high ownership. You're going to have players that are 90% owned, you know. So you got to go in with that right approach there. Yeah, and the fact that um, you know, there you can you can play a place a person in the captain without it costing more salary. Um, that makes you know the captain spot pretty chalky. So you have to really yeah. take some crazy high risk on 
putting someone in the captain slot that's actually a low salary type player if you're trying to uh, get a lower ownership there. Um, so, yeah, those those slates are exciting because you can just sit down on that prime time and watch the game mm-hmm. and the whole contest plays out right before your eyes. So it is exciting in that in that matter. Um, but in turn, in terms of really digging in to do deep analysis on multiple players and multiple teams and matchups, there's not as much research to do. So it's a little harder to gain an edge there. I keep bringing up edge because I feel like if you can gain an edge, that's, that's, that's how you win, you know? Uh, and that's how you get up in those, uh, you know, GPPs and that type of things. Absolutely. And that's, that's a, that's a point I wanted to make sure we hit on is with all of this strategy, I think the most important thing is you have to know and learn your strengths. So if you have a, uh, you have, if you're having a trouble with, you're having some trouble with bankroll management, then, you know, learn about that weakness, turn it into a strength, try and find some discipline. Uh, if you can go back and study your success on FanDuel versus DraftKings, uh, you know, maybe that'll surprise you. Maybe you'll realize, you know, I should focus more on one or the other this year because, you know, the way it looks and whether you're comfortable with, you know, interacting with, certainly that's important, but it's not as important as your success rate. So, you know, knowing your your strengths, your weaknesses, your actual performance. Uh, same thing with these slates. You know, go back and study it. Or if you haven't, uh, if you don't have much data, you know, look at it the first few weeks of this upcoming season. What's your success rate on the showdown slate? What's your success rate on the main slate? Um, because all of these are fun. I mean, you know, you talked about the fun of of sitting down and having it be a one game showdown slate. A primetime game. I mean, I love that aspect of it. But if I wasn't successful in the showdown slates, I wouldn't I wouldn't play as much. So uh, that's one thing I want to keep. I want to have folks keep in mind. But the, the thing I want to wrap up on here is as we sort of tie everything together is, you know, what are a couple contests that you actually like to play? You know, uh, and, and, you know, the names keep changing. Uh, the, the dollar amount can change a little bit on these on these different sites. But you know, once you settle on a bankroll and you're thinking about your, your breakdown of GPP versus cash, what are some of the types of contests that you actually want to enter uh, that you think make the most sense for you in terms of building the bankroll? Yeah, that's that's a really that's a good question. I, I like on FanDuel, you know, most people are going with the 50-50. You want to get at least 100 entries on that the, the 100, 100 person pool contest there. Um, Cause you're going to be able to get a little bit, a uh, l- little bit more variance there. So uh, yeah, 50 fifties uh, they have some big double ups. Uh, you can put in multiple li- lineups in the double ups on FanDuel. And those are usually pretty good for the pay lines. And then you have just multipliers, double ups there as, as well. And then you can do head to heads. If you want to be able to create a little more of a safety net in case you don't hit the cash line, you can cash on some of those head to heads. And then on the GPP side, um, besides maybe taking a few shots at the big, you know, million dollar tournament, uh, I really like uh, finding a little bit higher priced, uh, smaller tournaments like the 50 or $100 single entry tournament, because I know I'm not up against a multi mass entry 150 lineup guy. And um, if you win one of those, you only have to beat, let's say, 500 or six, 700 people and you could win, you know, five six thousand dollars uh so i've had some success in those uh the smaller lineups uh, if you if you can find like i said you can find a couple lower ownership guys that aren't chalky and you you can beat that it's easier to beat that 700 than beating you know 
hundred thousand people in the big tournament, yeah. you need uh, multiple, you know, I call it, you need a miracle lineup for those. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, you, you know, where you just need a really good lineup to take down those single entry, smaller tournaments. So, so some of the smaller tournaments are, are fun to play because they're, it's a, it's a lot lower score to take down that tournament and to get the victory where, to take down the big million dollar tournament, yeah, the prize is very enticing, but you need almost a miracle. So that's kind of my take on it. You know? Yeah, I, I like that. A lot of good stuff. Um, no matter what, you know, I like the single entries in, in cash uh, or the GPP. That's that's really a smart way to uh, give yourself a better shot, uh, level the playing field, you know. If there are contests that you see that are in your price range where it's, you know, a few more, maybe three or four entry max, I highly recommend those as well. Um, but being a GPP player, I do play the Millionaire Maker. Um, you know, it varies how much I play on a given week, but I've had good success, um, you know, even hand building a bunch of lineups. The best week I ever had, I hand built almost 100 lineups in the Millionaire Maker on GPP. I think like 85 of them cashed. Um, so... We're definitely not going to, as GPP players, tell you that, you know, you shouldn't play the millionaire maker. Um, we do think it makes sense to balance it out with a lot of single entries and not have that be your only focus. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're fun and uh, you, you do need to, to hit across the board to get a high finish. But uh, that's what we're going to do, uh, Shane, is try to help people build those lineups every week. To give them the best shot for a high finish. Yeah, we're not going to leave any stone unturned. Uh, we're going to dive into it and use a lot of good information. Uh, and we're going to be watching a lot of football and diving in and following, uh, you know, training camps and OTAs, everything, following that very closely. Because, um, like I said, the, it changes. Uh, NFL is year to year, it changes. And week to week, it changes as well. So really you have to do the full analysis to find, to, you know, to find out stuff that people aren't on and, you know, fade, be able to fade the chalk uh, and, and be able to take down some of these big tournaments and cash in, in, in the cash games as well. So definitely excited to get into it. And us, by us starting early and already doing our research, we're going to we're going to be able to have a better base of knowledge and, and, and more up to date on these current rosters and see how they progress and then, you know, uh, make adjustments as we need to. So I think we're, we're going to be ahead of the game there. And that's Absolutely. what we're all about. So. That's right. Uh, and as we mentioned, we're going to start breaking down each NFL team, one podcast at a time tomorrow, Shane and I are going to tackle the Cardinals. And that's what we're going to do is we're going to start to get all the information we can gathered for you, uh, you know, incorporate the draft, uh, the new additions, to each team in terms of players, the coaching staff. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to start doing that every day uh, for the next 32 days. So uh, Shane, it's been a real pleasure here today. Any final thoughts as we wrap up on our NFL strategy show? Oh, I'm excited. Tomorrow we get to talk about how stupid Bill O'Brien is. You know, I'll, <laughs> leave, I'll leave it at that, right? <laughs> yeah, we're going to start uh, you know, breaking these teams down and talk about the offseason trades and uh the the draft picks um it's hard to keep track here but we're gonna uh, i think we we may have the schedule up on the website um if it's not up there it'll be up there soon um but we'll start cataloging these uh podcasts for everybody on youtube so that 
you know, you can listen to it now and, and start to strategize. And then also, you know, later in the summer, come back and, and um, you know, pick a specific podcast that you want to uh, touch up on as you as you think about strategy. So we're going to kick that off again tomorrow. Uh, I want to thank uh, thank you all for listening. On behalf of my NFL partner, Shane Caldwell, I am Andrew Hansen, and you have been watching and listening to DFS Coach Talk.